0: Welcome to the Newsbusters Podcast with your host, Executive Editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham.
1: Welcome, Newsbusters listeners. You're listening to the Newsbusters Podcast. I'm your Associate Editor, Nick Knight, Train Fonda Caro, filling in for Tim Graham today. And joining me on a very packed episode today with all of the latest Supreme Court rulings over the last two days is your Managing Editor, Curtis Howell. Curtis.
2: Hey, hey, folks. I mean, uh it is like a different world since last the last show that we did, the last program on Wednesday. But we kind of knew that going in, but wowza.
1: It it's not so it's it's so different. Segregation has been brought back not once but twice. We are now on yeah. Jim Crow 4.0.
2: Jim Crow 4.0. We're back to uh, you know, saying that gays aren't allowed in public life, they should just hide they're in the not corner. Al-
1: they're not allowed to move about the country at all. Move about the
2: country at all. Glad CEO told us so on MSNBC. This, Allegedly, yeah, gays can no longer leave their homes and, and move about and in, in public and private life,
1: and their whole lives are dictated. By the Supreme Court, apparently, uh, uh,
2: our friend Bruce Carroll will soon be off to a concentration camp before you know it. <laughs> or, yeah,
1: one one of Desantis's ones in uh, Florida there, um, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because we we have two days of. Ground uh, precedent, new, new precedents out of the Supreme Court. Well, real
2: quick about that. Just generally, yeah. there was this general vibe on not just cable, but on the broadcast networks and in the major newspapers, which was, this court dared to overturn precedent. This is a horrible, you know, they yeah. overturned precedent. Oh my gosh! Wait a second. I mean, and as I said, this is not just uh again repeat the broadcast networks the cable networks the major papers liberals on twitter were all doing this there was this general vibe over all of these cases affirmative action uh you know um, yep. christian websites and uh student loans it's like you're oversetting precedent you're doing all these things and it's like you, you do know that like if it was all about respecting precedent if that's all a judge did yeah. you wouldn't have gay marriage. Sodomy would still be illegal. Um, there'd be all sorts of things they, they, that we think of in society. There would be no Brown v. Board because they would say, "Well, Plessy was been around for six, 60 years by that point, so why should we overturn something that was decided decades ago?"
1: Dred Scott wouldn't be overturned. Like
2: look- it's res- it's all if it's only about respect for precedent. Like this is a complete joke because instead you have the media going out and saying that oh no we're charting the, the this conservative court is striking out and it's like uh it's uh, all based on arguments it should be based on that
1: yeah and and you you had a, uh, on MSNBC today they they basically were saying the quiet part out loud where the problem was the 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 Supreme Court isn't helping the the society progress. They they are not helping us pro- make progress. Like, they, they what they want is progressivism. Like, right. It, it's, it, it's, it, it's it's not about making the society better. It's pushing progressive policies because the
2: Constitution has not evolved. You know. Therefore, yeah. we need to do it. It's that that it's was the el- living document. That was Mad Scientist Fat Albert's point. Yeah. Reacting to all the, all the cases today, he was like. We need to expand the court or nothing regarding, you know, democratic policies is going to be enacted. Mm -hmm. And it's like, sorry, dude. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So looking back on on, uh, Thursday here, we had affirmative action getting struck down and being ruled unconstitutional under the 14th Amendment. Surprise, surprise. The Equal Protection Clause is, is used to strike down. Using race to put one group over another when in college admissions, surprise, surprise, equality, right? Wins. I mean, okay,
2: so the facts of these cases they were the outcomes were the same, but the reason that, real quick, the reason that there were two cases, just for anybody still curious, the, the,
1: the Harvard versus the UNC,
2: yeah, and this kind of was the same thing with student loans. There were two different cases, and they accepted them because they had two different groups requesting, yeah, uh, remittances or requesting thinking they had standing so, so the reason
1: that there was a case against harvard and a case against unc was because
2: yeah. one is a public institution and the other is a private institution uh so the supreme court took a case for each school so they could make clear where they stood on each
1: yeah this is the- because
2: they, they operate completely different it completely differently, obviously. UNC yeah. is a public school, accepts taxpayer funds, so therefore they're kind of accountable to the taxpayers, um, whereas Harvard is a completely private institution, has the $11 billion and trillions hidden elsewhere endowment, mm-hmm. sees the endowments, uh, yep. as Will Chamberlain, who's now at the SANS campaign, would always point out, seize the endowments, oh, yeah. uh, or else we wouldn't be in this inflated bubble. <laughs> where we are with college pricing. That's another podcast. But yep. but the reason that they took two cases and the outcomes were the same, you hear UNC and Harvard interchangeably. But that's because um, just from a legal – again, from a objective legal mm-hmm. standpoint, they are – think of them as two different companies, businesses, uh, doing the same thing but just – how it's like which
1: sector they're on—the pri- public and private sectors. Correct. So it, it needs to be because the, a because if you didn't have the Harvard one and you just had the UNC, it could there could they could make a case of like this only applies to and that just be confu- and
2: that'd be confusing for everybody too. Exactly.
1: So we we had them strike it down and equality wins the day. But on MSNBC, you had the first claims of segregation once again. First, you had um, over here uh, the former assistant Manhattan district attorney, Catherine Christian, who was talking about when she came up through law school. She was one of three students, one of three black students in her class. Of a a class of three hundred, her graduating class, and she was one of three. So she was like, sort of predicting that like we would go back to that. Which one of the so one of the things that I find funny where they're like these schools are going to go back to being segregated. They're like you're not going to have that many black students now in or minority students in here. These schools are ran by liberals, Curtis. Are are they afraid that their own peers are not are 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 racist? Is is that what they're saying that they're not going to admit minorities? they're they're their buddies their friends in liberal academia
2: i mean it may it makes it's it is it strains credulity i mean it it strains common sense and we'll get into something i did but just to uns briefly unspool it because it, it, it pertains to your that point cbs during their special report which was otherwise very bland comparatively to the other two yes on yesterday on the affirmative action case is a Um, Jessica Levinson from CBS said, well, affirmative action really wasn't about remedying past wrongs or quotas. It was about improving student life for everybody so that even white people and Asians could benefit from having to live with and learn from black and brown people. And it's like this flowery idea, and it's like, oh, my gosh. Major Garrett did that same thing too that when people want to go to college they look for diversity. And you're I, like, okay, maybe, but like
1: Yeah, like it's a nice thing to have at at the same time I think most students are trying to be like, "Oh, where 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 can I make my dollar go the furthest?"
2: Right, exactly. It's it's uh that, that, it, yeah. that's
1: why you have people who like do the two years of community, then they go to to, to the four-year school so they can get the gen eds out of the way. It's not
2: the – I mean, a lot of it has to do with, like, your majors, um, where it is, the cost. Um, So, again, this is where the word diversity in this case – we're talking about race. But the word diversity has just been hijacked over the years Mm -hmm. to mean only race when, for a lot of people, they're looking for ideas, diversity of ideas, diversity of thoughts.
1: So that – and especially with some of these schools like Harvard, like, a lot of students choose Harvard – not necessarily for the diversity, but because it's Harvard, right? You you want – right. that's why these are the Ivy League schools, Yale, Oxford, all these places. You They want the name on the resume. They'd be like, I went to these elite prestigious schools, except you have st- students uh, – uh, schools like Harvard that accept students like David Hogg, who right. <laughs> he couldn't even get into like his local – some of the local schools down in Florida, and th- he just gets this basically sympathy uh, – Acceptance, Aple- acceptance yeah. because he's a, a pro, an anti-gun advocate.
2: I'm just like, ugh. that so that's
1: that, that's one of the other things that should make a lot of uh, Harvard students upset. Is that you guys, you guys went to, through all the rigors of what's needed to get to Harvard, and then you have this kid come along and then just get in because of his political activism
2: back to MSNBC. I don't know yeah. if you wanted to talk about this part, but that yeah. kind of shoehorns into what you saw hours later on the view. Oh, you yeah. know, cause you're talking about, Oh, I only had this many people in my law school class. And now we kind of want to go back to that. This insane cockamamie stuff from whoopie basically suggesting that Clarence Thomas and his family, well, it's not just Whoopi, but others, they benefited from affirmative action, but now they want to shut the door on yeah, other exactly. people. And, and it's like, what? well, first of all, even if he were race-obsessed, why would he do that? Why would he impugn someone else? Yes. Proper, impugn someone else. Um, and it's just patently offensive what she was saying.
1: Yeah, because she she's taken his comments completely out of his, his words completely out of context because Clarence Thomas is asking, like, what is diversity? Because he didn't, he, he, you want, like, in, and this isn't even, I don't even think it's from this case. I believe it's from a previous case that he was an opinion on. I think it, I think it, it might have been Gruder, where he, where, where the question was, like, what is, this is where the, the question of the quotas comes in. It's how, how do you identify diversity? Is it just like, which Gruder basically, Went out the way with a lot of the, the quotas, but it's sort of like the feeling we have this feeling of diversity. Like, what does that mean? Like, how do you know when <laughs> you does w- that mean? like like that? That that was sort of like the whole question is how do you know when you've achieved diversity as a campus? And that's what he's talking about. And that is a that is a very that, that, that is a question that requires like a lot of thought, a lot of that philosophical question is the word that I'm looking for of like, how do you, uh, how do you know this? And of course, any sort of philosophical, like deep philosophical or nuanced conversation is something that can never happen on the view. No one's ever accused them of having that kind of conversation. I
2: saw this, I saw that idea elsewhere, elsewhere, where it was like, we're not there yet. And, you, and then you think like the rhetorical follow-up is, or how if you, you were sitting on a panel is how do you define that? And when is that?
1: How do you know when you're there?
2: Or like, well, we're not there yet. You're like, okay, but like, how do you know when we will get there? You're, that why was, don't you just come out and admit that what you want is permanent? Yeah. Or, or that you, there's never, you know, a point where you want to stop, stop not expanding racial quote or racial uh, makeup. Yeah, Affirmative you know?
1: action was like put in place to make up for racism. But it's like, when, when has the effects of the, of, of those past racisms been fixed and if you
2: want fifty percent of federal government employees to be white or, or white or women to be women, what do you do? You know, and you achieve that, then what do you do?
1: I mean, yeah. Like, how do you know you've hired that many? You need to look and check, and like that's where the quotas come in, which is what ended this up, is like you know.
2: elementary. This is like elementary school, middle school, high school stuff. This, yeah, grade school stuff. Yeah. When it's like you talk about measuring goals, and, and so by the fact that they can't answer. Or they just talk in very esoteric terms about how we're not quite there yet in terms of achieving true harmony and truly living up to our ideals uh, of the founding of our country. Um, It reveals how this entire race-based campaign, race-baiting operation, this racial arsonism that has permeated the liberal media and academia for decades is a complete grift.
1: Yeah. And some of the other stuff that was getting just said on the view just sort of Shows just like how empty this i this conversation is on their side of like an intellectual conversation, where you had Whoopi basically suggesting quote is this leading to no women in college soon? Who knows? Like s- suddenly it, it went from just general minorities to now we're gonna no we're gonna ban women from being going to college again. Like like and
2: Donna th- Brazile did that too on ABC. She was like, "What does this mean for women?" And it's like. That's not what this is talking about at all. They, it's all over, uh, over broad, purposefully over broad, purposeful uh, straw man,
1: over uh, intentionally overwrought co- yeah. comments and hysteria, where you even and it's on purpose. Yeah, and you and you have comments also from like Sonny here. Um, the group that has been most successful in accessing diversity initiatives is, are white women. Again, Sonny Haas going after white women again. It, it's – the racism is from their side. The, the, again, these are the Democrats, the people who fought for slavery, the people who f- fought against civil rights. Like
2: Amazing Joy Reid wanted to talk about yeah. the whole point of this case, that Asian American students were harmed, I believe. Yeah, like I don't uh, believe Asian uh, students came up. Well, on her al- show last
1: al- 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 yeah, yeah. And Alyssa Farragriffin was the only one that brought up the Asian students for the view, and they really sort of played that down as, as fast as they could. Um, like, yeah, and, and just to touch back on MSNBC a little bit, like you had you know, you, you, you had her you, you talked about her in your in your blog about um, uh Antonia Hilton. Yeah. over on uh, NBC here, when she was on uh, MSNBC, she ha- she claimed that she had talked to Harvard students a couple minutes after the decision came out. You, you didn't talk to enough students to get Although, the temperature. I
2: should take that back. Joy Reid apparently did talk about Asian-Americans yesterday. That uh, mm. was a friend, or I think I believe it our friend, Farad Mahedda might have said on Twitter, or someone else might have said on Twitter, I wonder if she's going to talk about it. Well, she actually did. Um, and, of course, she goes out and claims that every Asian-American that I know supports affirmative action. This is all just like confirmation bias and bubbles. This is why, in large part, yes, some of this is a performative operation for these folks, whether it's on The View or MSNBC, but the key to remember is a lot of them live in such thick bubbles, so when things don't go their way, they genuinely are shocked, and they genuinely are melting down because they don't see how anybody of sane mind could think differently or rule differently than they
1: do. This is why they freak out and they they just say things like, oh, the Supreme Court is going against the polls. The polls, like, people don't want this. But, yeah, people support, like, you that you get c- conflicting c- claims from the public depending on what the poll question is that's being asked. Do people support affirmative action? Yes, but if you ask them, do you like race-based admissions, they go, no. And if you actually tell them that affirmative action, like, they, they don't, they don't, in doing these polls they don't tell the the uh, the person being polled like oh these affirmative action at Harvard is leading to them dis, uh, disparaging and being discriminatory against asian students like during i don't know if you've heard some of the stuff that was being some of the audio that came out of the oral argument for this case but like what the uh, um the group that was like that's against affirmative action was saying when they were pulling some of the stuff from Harvard is when they dock the Asian students, they're 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 basically marking off that like they're less sociable, they're not as friendly or kind. It's like you're you're just broad stroking an entire race of people. Like what they're saying about Asians is racist,
2: right? Where they're over general, I mean, they're stereotypes. This was this came up on the abc news special report yesterday we had an incoming brown university student point out that um what this whole business of firm action i'm going to quote here when deciding based on race at least as a factor that sort of assumes that all people of a certain race are sort of monolithic That minorities are monolithic and i know that at least for asian americans it's a sort of way that we're perceived as hardworking, no charisma, no character. And you see that in the Harvard case. You'll see that's how they view Asian-American students. They view us as sort of bland and sort of lacking of character. And I think that's sort of what happens to all minority groups when you view us first and foremost as a certain race and then just look at individual characteristics that we have later. So in yeah. essence, what a lot of this is is getting rid of the checkbox. You know, yeah. and, and this is what John Roberts is saying. Into their credit, NBC's Lord Jarrett, Valerie Jarrett's kid, has correctly pointed out when talking about this case, both today and yesterday, is John Roberts didn't say you can't talk about race. It has to be on the students' end. It's like Bumble, the dating app. The girl has to message first. The student has to message. Or
1: it's sort of like the the the, the Florida with the supposed with the so called "Don't Say Gay," where it's like like they can have certain conversations with students, but the student needs to be the one to initiate the conversation.
2: Right. If the kid if if the student wants to talk about how much they love Ibram X. Kendi and how Robin D'Angelo's changed their life or something, they're more than willing free to do that on their college essay. Yes. And their universities are allowed to accept them, but it's on them. And that's why you had a UNC student uh, who represented the other side uh, that was upset by the ruling on the ABC News special report yesterday. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. Bunimi Amasori, she said she was disappointed, sad, and upset that her identity as a black woman and others like her will not be able to be a defining characteristic of whether – People who look like her are admitted to universities. And she exists because of addressing this John Roberts point, she's afraid that black students will for- be forced to, quote, write about the traumas of how, quote, unquote, hard it is to be, quote, a black person. Uh, it, it, again, this is, it's all,
1: grow up, yeah. please. Yeah. Grow up. Um, yeah, we're gonna move. We're we're uh, we're gonna move right along because there's so much to talk about right now. So let's next move. We got uh, another another big case here. Another win for some a little bit of religious liberty, but a lot of freedom of speech. Here we had a uh, the case of uh, 303 Creative here, which was uh, uh, the lady's name is uh, Lori Smith, who who runs this. She was col- she was afraid Colorado was gonna force her to make. Uh, websites for same-sex weddings and a little bit of a preemptive uh, lo- uh, lawsuit here to so she doesn't become a direct victim. But, um, so basically, the, the Supreme Court, another 6-3 came down to say that she doesn't need to be compelled to make these weddings. And again, we had the same stuff of segregation. This is going to be restaurant owners putting up signs in their establishment saying we only serve whites or no blacks it, it's freedom of speech but they're they're in this case they're, they're they're fully denying a service as opposed to in this case where uh, miss smith was saying that she would make websites for same-sex people if they wanted to sell a home promote a different business and basically anything besides uh, a same-sex wedding and we had the same sort of meltdown that we were seeing. But luckily on MSNBC this time, we had uh, oh, from the, the president of the Judicial Crisis Network, uh, Carrie uh, Severino.
2: She's wandered on to CNN as well. She, mm-hmm. she She's not afraid to go on these networks. So this wasn't oh, her yeah. first rodeo.
1: Yeah, so she – she we, we got an audio clip here of her just – just schooling Anna Cabrera uh, who who uh, ironically also went from CNN to MSNBC um and so we have uh, Carrie here just make, making some just great arguments and pointing out um that she that uh, Miss Smith would have similar objections to heterosexual marriages uh, uh if they were adulterous let's uh, let's listen to these clips here
0: So so the law in Colorado, though, defines discrimination not only as refusing to provide goods or services but publishing any communication that essentially says an individual's patronage is unwelcome based on a protected characteristic. Could this ruling in Lori Smith's favor open the door to other types of businesses refusing service to customers? For example, could a restaurant owner put up a sign and deny service to a customer because of the color
3: of their skin citing free speech? Absolutely not, because a restaurant is not speech, and Lori Smith herself is not refusing services to people on the basis of their class. If a same-sex couple said and came and said, "We want a website about selling our house, or we want a website advertising our our business, or something," she's absolutely happy to do that. So it's, this is not because of their class. Similarly, if a heterosexual couple said, "And we want it," said, "We want a website celebrating some aspect of of any anything that she disagrees with." she's not willing to take that. So it doesn't have to do with the, the person, it has to do with the message. And this is why some of these uh, you know, uh, theories of well, wh- what if someone would refuse blacks at a lunch counter again, that's, that's utterly unrelated to this case. That has nothing to do with speech. That actually did have to do with the color of the person's skin. This is something that's very different. It's, it's limited to speech. That's why it's a free speech case. It's limited to people who are bringing a message. And again, Lori Smith is happy to, to give a whole range of messages for same-sex attracted individuals. She's not happy to do that messages that celebrate a particular messages that she disagrees with on the basis of her religion. So
1: yeah a heterosexual marriage from a adulterous relationship also goes against her religious beliefs. She would not want to do that too mm-hmm. t- take part in something like that. And I, I really like what she said about the lunch counter. Like a restaurant isn't speech. A restaurant is providing the actual service. The, in the case of the website here, putting stuff on the stuff like you're, you're using your art, you're using your ability to be creative as your speech. And it would be like an artist, like somebody making a painting of somebody going to Hunter Biden. Let's let's talk about an artist. Oh, uh, somebody going to Hunter Biden and ask them to make a disparaging painting of his father. Right. He's going to decline doing that painting, isn't he? That's mm. against against his freedom of hope. speech.
2: One would hope. Yeah, one would hope. Uh, I mean, we had all these sorts of bizarre Claims. I mean, over on CNN, or Alice uh, Chrissy wrote about CNN. Sarah Seidner had this weird argument that this could be open the door to black people having to use the back door to go into stores or not be allowed in at all. You know, there was concerns from Ellie Honing, the perpetually obsessed with Russia former U.S. attorney and Trump Ellie Honing, wondering what does this mean for biracial or interracial couples. This, again, is a complete purposeful misreading of the case. The case—Colorado mm-hmm. agreed that her work was art. It wasn't—that she wasn't a restaurant—again, I go back to Laura Jarrett again. She was correct on the NBC News special report. Even the ultra-liberal state of Colorado agreed in arguing this case that this website is not a restaurant. Mm-hmm. It is where Or Savannah Guthrie also said, like, a shoe store— where they're selling shoes. Yeah. This is not a an official public accommodation where you have a brick and a brick and mortar but you also are just a business where you're just selling things. Yeah. That aren't exactly I mean you could argue food is a uh thing but but if you're a restaurant if you're a restaurant whether you're like old country buffet or like Outback Steakhouse or some, you know, fancy place out in Middleburg, Virginia, you are a restaurant and that is that is different than somebody's website because you are acting on behalf of that client mm-hmm. and as part of building in this case a wedding website you are you might have a gay couple want to make certain statements about themselves or about how you know just hypothetically some people didn't want us to get married or we want to be a sign of love in this age of hate or something and yeah. she could she would have been able she wanted to be able to say I don't want to do that.
1: And
3: and
2: the media cannot stand that. And mm-hmm. I think the key quote from to to go to your blog here blogs here is the the quote from the head of glad saying tolerance is what you can do for a toothache, not for human beings. And that gets to the heart of this matter is they just cannot and will not accept the fact mm-hmm. that this is not about going backwards
1: at all. Yeah. And yeah, so the only the only the only time like the restaurant analogy would be anywhere close to applicable is if the restaurant also sold custom cakes.
2: Right, custom cakes. But if it's just like yeah. a buffet restaurant, like exactly. a steakhouse.
1: And and that but what I'm gonna say with that is like the reason I brought that up is just because then, then we go back to the other Supreme Court case that did have, I believe, a liberal involved in that was 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 the I forget the name of the bakery, but also in Colorado. Uh make like make the cake bigot and, and all of that and it, it's 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 the exact same or in that instance it, it's pretty close and pretty applicable um again we also have it, it it's just so aggravating just listening to these like you guys are lucky our listeners are lucky that we're the ones that have to do this and not them yeah. Yeah, with the stuff we 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 put ourselves through. And the other take for MSNBC this morning is or just from the media in general is the other Supreme big Supreme Court case that came down was uh, the student loan forgiveness. They 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 struck down another 6 to 3 uh Biden's bribe to young voters in the last election cycle of, "Oh, I'm going to Gonna make sure all your your student loans are just evaporate and disappear, and you had MSNBC saying like whining that's like he 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 can't he just can't wave his pen his pen and phone pen and phone away. Whatever student student debt here, and they they basically say the the they basically spring the trap so to speak. In that on MSNBC, you had them going, oh, it's not his fault. Oh, like we he can just blame Republicans for it. And that, like, that's like the whole premise of this. Trick right. the yeah. young people into voting for you. So that way, thinking that you're going to do your darndest to get rid of their debt. And then you know perfectly well this is going to get struck down. And then you can just be like, I tried. I tried. Throw your hands up. I tried. But it, those, those darn Republicans, you guys got to vote against them next election cycle, and make sure the Democrats, we can pass this later.
2: Yeah, there were a couple of things I saw on the broadcast networks regarding the student loan case. One of them was Christina Ruffini yeah. fretting that, you know, as we've seen with this administration, with the split Congress and this conservative courts, it's increasingly difficult for the Biden administration to take executive actions to make policy when it keeps getting bounced back by the guys in the other big building a little bit down the road. Shad. Um, and they actually try to make this economic argument that, You know, this is going to hurt the economy. You know, Nate Burleson, it seems like one in eight Americans will have to restart those payments. The money that they were saving for possibly cars or even homes will have to be back put on hold. NBC brought in CNBC's Brian Chung when he said uh, he brought up the fact that what it's worth at the kind of macro level for individual households, this could have been savings of a few hundred dollars a month, depending on the type of degree and the type of debt. But for what it's worth, again, this would have been so impactful for a lot of Americans that may that maybe had been excited about the prospect of having that extra money as a cushion. Yeah, ugh. you know, I mean,
1: uh, ugh. also sort of going in the way of whooping. Oh, Wh- and they also yeah. thought
2: this is going to energize voters. This is going to get people out of oh, yeah. the ballot box. Eh. They did. They did this with affirmative action yesterday. Yeah, that was that was one of the things that I noticed. Uh, Rick Klein of ABC News, brother of Ezra Klein, always yeah. worth mentioning. Uh, who's totally insane? Uh, Hallie Jackson and Kristen Welker on NBC.
1: They want politics did this. with. They're,
2: they're all wondering that you know these cases are really going to help Joe Biden. Yeah. Yes, you could maybe make the argument about abortion affecting the midterm elections. Uh, some would say I have personal opinions. I'll keep to myself for the show that are a little bit different than that about why the midterms were a disappointment. But um, I I don't see how affirmative action has the same controversy level of controversy or level of uh, just a personal level. It's not as deep on a personal level as abortion. The very act of ending a pregnancy, killing a child is not quite the same as whether you get into Harvard or not. Exactly. Although teenagers may feel like that's the end of the world when they don't get into Harvard. But it's just worth pointing out. I, It's fair to say I don't think that's the case. And the polling they begrudgingly showed on all of the these networks and the broadcast networks was, yeah, generally people like when people of all races have opportunities, you know, so just affirmative action in general sounds OK. But then when they ask, should we use race ba- race as a factor in admissions the american people by nearly 60% in yeah. some polls were like no
1: oh yeah yeah when you, when you actually detail it out for what it actually does that's when when the 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 liberal polling they'll use like these broad general questions to get the answers that they want because it makes it sound nice but when you give the respondents the details of the policy, the details of what st- stuff gets done and we're like, oh, they wait. don't like it that that, that that's a, that's what I was bringing up before and um, just to bring things back to the loan forgiveness for a second sort of MSNBC sort of was like channeling whoopi a little bit in terms of the making the one one tr- uh, case about women you had Anna Cabrera also in response because both of these all of these cases drop in 10 o'clock at, the, at 10 o'clock that's when her show's on um but she was basically making the loan forgiveness stuff me making talking making it about being sexist because you're like oh two-thirds of the the actively held student debtor women um
2: we had that s- on cbs as well yeah, yeah it was specifically uh the way she framed it was uh the biggest borrowers the biggest holders of student debt are black women and black p- women voted overwhelmingly for president biden this was one of the things he wanted to do for his constituents for these people who helped get him in office yeah. and it's like well there you go this is entirely political
1: I, one of, one of the other things that i find I, I i they they brought up that i have some questions over and they never went into like why this was the case they were like oh um women pay like twenty seven hundred dollars more for like the same degree as men which i do not believe for one second you they they don't price degrees and time in school based off your gender and your sex yeah like they don't Like how, like Like what, what went into that? what are you tabulating that adds to an extra $2,700 for for your time at college is, is, are you, you, are you tabulating like feminine hygiene products into there or are they, are are women doing more of like the, the, like the, the, like the the bachelor master's combined programs or are they, tabulating that so when a guy is going for maybe four year they're going for the five year or or something like that or that abridged um, those those career tracks are they even t- or are they just doing like they do for the quote-unquote pay gap where they just do women make this men make this just by themselves as opposed to how much time are you spending per your courses right like if you're going to med school so- versus somebody who's going to law school are are you are, are those in the tabulation for what people are paying? They never went into this. Like they're like, oh, this is definitive. It's two thirds of the debt is women, twenty seven hundred dollars. They don't actually explain it on these shows,
2: right? Well, and they would say, oh, we don't have time. Or it, that was on one of the networks today. It was like, you know, for Americans who may not be paying attention or might not have any idea, you know, they may just think this or that regarding the the Christian website. Uh, it's like, whose fault is that? You guys pride yourselves on being the ultimate informers. The fact checkers. The fact checkers. The people who are supposed to tell us the rules about what is true and what's not. The who, what, where, when, why, and how. And you choosing not to do that or saying, well, basically, you guys are too stupid to actually understand. Um, and so you, you, therefore, might get some ideas or might be a little too scared. But we're not going to do anything about that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah. deceitful. Therefore, yeah. you're not exactly the truth tellers that we that you claim to be. In other words, democracy dies in darkness.
1: Speaking of uh two stupids and understand what's going on. <laughs> Curtis, rich, white, liberal wine mom story hour. Yeah, we're going to close out the podcast here with a little bit of humor going into the uh, the holiday weekend here. Uh, so Nicole Wallace managed to snag herself a second interview with President Biden. She
2: did that. Uh, the first one came during the lockdowns. Yep. Yeah. She,
1: she interviewed him while he was in the basement and she yep. was in the studio. Yep. And uh, so on Thursday night, she had him on, and she just giggled her way through the entire interview. Serious topics. Just...
2: <laughs> it's like a girl at a One Direction concert or... Yeah. Know, it was weird. Hairstyles. Yeah, styles, yeah it's, it's very strange.
1: Yeah. And... The min- the interview was about 20 minutes long, and not a single time did she ask him about Hunter Biden, his indictment, or uh, his plea deal, any of the controversy surrounding him, the whistleblowers, nothing. She was just a very good former Republican stenographer, as you like to say, for the president. We got a couple clips here of just how absolutely gooey, like peanut butter, just gooey— <laughs> this interview was between uh, from Nicole Wallace so let's let's take a quick listen
0: this is very exciting for us
1: it's exciting for me
0: <laughs> you said today um, and i i know that you have a lot of power but i can't imagine you manu- manufactured the breaking news about the court you said this court is not normal what did you mean what i meant with that is it's done more to unravel basic rights and basic decisions than any court in recent history mr president we um... We don't get a lot of presidents through this studio, so consider it your chair. Consider it an open invitation. There are going to be a lot of things on people's mind, and I hope you'll look at this as a place you can come and talk about anything that's on your mind. Well, I will. You know, uh, we're like Porellas. We We show up, we're invited. (laughs) With all your food no, I say it. that about the show that we're like the hotel, California You can check out but you can never leave people pop up, you know at 4 and at 4.50 They're still here So your staff will, and a lot of other people will come get me if I do that to you so It's been an honor to be with re- you. I so
1: really mean thank you so thank much. You, thank
0: sir, you so much, sir. To you, be
1: continued <laughs> <laughs> The show is this the this, this show is all yours whenever you want it.
2: I'm not amused I'm not whatever
1: whatever you got on your mind, whatever you got on your mind, Joe, just come here. We'll we'll just give you the show. We don't get we don't have a lot of presidents around here in the studio. (laughs) Meanwhile, they hired his press secretary. Uh, Nicole, Nicole, Nicole. What 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 are. This is just like an embarrassing interview. Imagine imagine if. Uh, Brett Baer interviewed Trump the other day. Right. A l- couple weeks ago. And imagine if he was sitting there just giggling through through the whole Trump interview.
2: Everybody from Oliver Darcy to Jay Rosen to Justin Barragona with the Daily Beast, uh, the Puck guys, uh, buddy Eric Wemple, Paul Farhi, I mean all the... Semaphore. So- com- sem- semaphore. You know, Chinese pal Semaphore uh, with Ben Smith. Uh, yeah. They would be all over this. They'd be saying, What an abject embarrassment. But nobody cares. Nobody cares about the soft nature of Nicole Wallace's interview because I think not only do they agree with her, the questions that she was focusing on, you know, she talked a lot about Joe Biden's respect for the institutions in January 6th and how Republicans. Writ large, you know, she speaks in such broad strokes about the GOP being dangerous to society, danger to the country, a national security threat. This is the red meat that this side of the aisle, that this ideology craves and loves. It primes them, and I believe, you know, if you think about it, they view shows like Nicole Wallace's show as efforts to help get out the vote, to help energize or and or scare the base into turning out. Um, And there's a reason why Biden would pick the show if you looked at all MSNBC shows, Mm -hmm. because it's usually Ari Melber uh, when Rachel's not on. So Tuesday through Friday, usually if you look at it, it's it's either Ari, Joy Reid, not often Joy Reid, but it's usually Ari and Nicole Wallace that are there at the top in terms of MSNBC shows. And there's a reason for that. And those are the, re- the reasons that I just outlined are why. And that's why Biden would go on an interview like this, because he likes talking about institutions. He likes talking about extreme MAGA, Republicans. And sure enough, that's what Nicole Wallace gave him.
1: Yeah, like most of the time, like multiple times during the show, he made the same comments like, this isn't your father's Republican Party. This isn't your father's Republican Party.
2: He had to say it to himself like 10 times in the mirror before uh, they were that's allowed to go. some
1: And yeah. a, f- a funny thing is sort of like the way – and another thing that came out of that interview was just the way the Biden left the interview. Like, they say, she says, thank you for coming on, they shake hands, and before the commercial even shows up, before the commercials even start, he literally gets up on the table and just wanders off set. Right. Yeah, which I, I posed the question, uh, was, it, was it a bathroom run? Did he have to, like, run to the restroom? He's like, right. <laughs> I've been on here too long, I need to go. But apparently, according to uh, Morning Joe this morning, Al Sharpton was in waiting for him either off to the side or like nearby. So he wanted to go talk to his old buddy, Al race baiting Al
2: still doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah. Oh, and just to go to, to your point about like the, to, um, people would say about the destruction of democracy and stuff like that. If this interview happened, she was pushing the stuff that she was pushing him on was like to call the, she was pushing him to call the, uh, the Supreme court extreme, uh, out of like not normal uh, and uh, push for packing the court. That's the stuff that is just uh, like that. That what she wants is destroying institutions, uh, eroding institutions, eroding democracy, being a threat to democracy. That's that. that, That's a lot of what this is. And it it says a lot that this is going on right before the holiday weekend where we're going to celebrate the birth of our nation, the Fourth of July.
2: People are going to tune it out, too yeah people are gonna tune this out I mean yeah. this is uh uh it's exa- it's exhausting yeah it's exhausting
1: which we're gonna have a nice nice break uh for us here at newsbusters uh there's not gonna be a, be a podcast on monday we we we're on vacation here
2: yeah we'll have i mean we've got more stories coming yeah. up throughout the day um, we
1: we got a little bit of a backlog that that's we're gonna be putting out during the weekend so check back on.
2: All SCOTA yeah. stuff, and um, we'll have some Fourth of July stuff as well. Uh, we always like pointing out the fact of you know how much the media isn't really a big fan of this country.
1: And yeah, we're gonna have uh, Jeff Dickens is gonna or Jeffrey Dickens is gonna be putting out one of his his classic roundups of the media's mm-hmm. anti-Americanism.
2: Yeah, anti-Americanism, big thing here at the Media Research Center, uh, calling that out. Um, so. Yeah, so we'll have a little bit of everything this weekend. You know, we'll have some SCOTUS, we'll have some 4th of July stuff, Um, Mm -hmm. and who else? I mean, you never know, and that's one of the great things about the job, and one of the fun-slash-terrifying, I look at as the positive things about the news business. You can come to Newsbusters, and you never know what you're going to find, because you never know what's going to be in the news.
1: Exactly. So, as our illustrious Tim Graham always loves to say, come and check Newsbusters out once, twice, 24 times a day. Bye-bye.